And welcome to the BSA Capital Tech and Transitional Energy Podcast on Thursday, November the 3rd. And the Bank of England have just put up interest rates by 0.75% to 3%. Um, did you spot that, Phil, before we just hit the record button? Thank you, Andrew. Yes, I did. It flashed up on my screen. Oh, watching out for that. Yeah. So for what it's worth, uh, you know, my view is it's actually still low. We need to go up to about 5%. We discussed this in the in the last podcast, so I won't repeat myself. Um, but, you know, this shouldn't be a surprise. Um, 5% interest rates, 5% inflation. It's not too painful, honest. House prices will probably have to come back a bit. But it allows us to uh, inflate away the government debts. It's the only way to get us out of this hole. Um, and actually, I think the market sort of expects it as well. So um, we shouldn't be too worried by it all, really. I mean, obviously, if you've got a mortgage, I guess it's a bit annoying. Um, and I don't want to sound like a cocky, arrogant person, but actually, I've been in this market so long, I no longer do have a mortgage. I haven't had it for a while. Um, but anyway, the market's down 35 points, so it's taken it in its stride. Um, right, Phil. Um, what should we? Uh, what? 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 Uh, well, I, are there any more sort of big picture things you want to talk about at all? Um, well, apart from my gold club fees going up at the uh, AGM last night, and uh, even inflation came into that, and rising energy costs. But uh, they go on to the serious stuff of uh, quality of sand in bonkers, which all golfers do. Um, yeah, actually talking of sand though, right? Yeah, uh, and rising prices. Mm. Um, some people who listen to this podcast may listen to our five minute morning minor, which we do daily. Uh, yeah, and actually, you know, for the last sort of God knows how many days, virtually every day we end up talking about lithium. And of course, lithium does is very relevant to transitional energy because yeah. the lithium price is just going up every day at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, we started looking at lithium stocks 10 years ago. We know them all pretty much. Uh, we act- have actually acted for a lot of them. We've helped the Chinese buy some. Quite interesting today, actually, that the uh, and again, I think this is relevant to um, uh, um, transitional energy. The Chinese have actually, sorry, the Canadians have told three Chinese companies to divest of their lithium holdings in Canadian companies. Um, so I think that's interesting in terms of, of the price of lithium. I'll tell you the other thing just, and this is sort of big picture stuff. Hmm. Um, I don't know if you ever follow a guy called Tony Sieber. No, no, not gone. Right. I recommend everybody to follow Toby Sieber. I've actually been following him for years. Yeah. And his predictions on transitional energy are, are really interesting and really accurate. Um, and actually, if you look back in what he was saying, you know, 10 years ago, and his projections of what the cost of an EV would be now uh, and the range of an EV now he actually basically predicted it all believe it or not 10 years ago okay wow wow what's his name Toby Toby now look you see bloody hell that's you see that's your reaction whereas my reaction is slightly different Uh uh-huh I look at it and I go okay so if you predicted that 10 years ago and you're clever little whatever Uh you've got it right what actually were you saying about the future from where we are now? Because uh-huh. he did actually on the same time, I mean, I've actually got up in front of me on my screen now, where back in actually it was basically 2014 when a 
Tesla Model S cost $80,000. He predicted that basically in 2022, now his prediction that it would come down to Tesla Model S, all right, about $25,000, which is pretty close. But more importantly, what you can see is if you look at some of the Chinese EVs, they're already the smaller ones coming in at about $15,000. Now, what he's saying is that actually those Chinese vehicles, and he predicted this 10 years ago, by 2030, which is only eight years ago, will be selling for more like six to $7,000 for an EV. That is, well, what stunning predictions. And I guess might link into a bit of news this week from BMW. Um, who have just reported results uh, better than expected quarterly net profit thanks to high car prices, but warned that rising inflation and interest rates would start to weigh on sales. Um, and they also said that um, the higher higher profit comes despite lower sales volumes as supply chain issues, including semiconductor shortages that curtail, you know, curtail output from makers globally so um so linking to what you're saying and about um pricing of these things if automotive sales are going to soften because of the economy then that will in in itself pressure prices but what it also does in turn is it pressures the car makers in terms of their engineering um and looking to value engineer the products so it acts as a driver to bring down inherent prices in the products well, there you go well I, I mean i think that's right and i look i, I think that bmw and, and the german car manufacturers are doing a pretty good job at trying to convert from ice to ev but they do of course tend to still rather just take you know an ice car and then put an ev engine in it um again it's interesting one of the big things that of course has happened since our last podcast is british volt um yeah. which has been saved just will it continue to be saved i don't know um let's be honest the british government you know this is the sort of thing they should be absolutely championing um in fact i mean i'll tell you what okay let's let's what really 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 annoys me about you know british vault and and the government all right is if you look at what the government was saying when British Vault started, Boris Johnson, you know, this was all part of levelling up and something we had to do. Um, he said a levelling up opportunity, which would bring thousands of newly high skilled jobs to communities in our industrial heartlands. That was what Boris Johnson said. Quasi Kwantung said uh, the factory and the jobs it was forecast to create was exactly what levelling up looks like. It was all bullshit. All right. The government never does a bloody thing. Actually, the government doesn't really sort of have to do anything as much. It doesn't need to put money in. But what it should do is give tax breaks and incentivize people to actually get on and build these things. That's what the government should do. They don't have to put in their own money, but put in tax incentives that other people want to put in. There's plenty of money around the world. The institutions have got so much pension fund money and things, but you've got to make it. You've got to incentivize them. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm I'm all with that, and it, and it's happened historically, and it has actually happened successfully. I mean, I, I'm old enough to remember when 
um, you know, the, the Welch, the coal mines had all shut um, and the Japanese multinational electronics companies were encouraged by the government and supported to come over, which they did at, at great scale, um, you know, in the 80s. Um, so, so it can be done and you are spot on. It's all about incentivizing international businesses and businesses to, to, to locate in certain geographic locations. Yeah. So taking that point a bit further and your point uh -huh. about BMW, yeah. is that I know the Germans and the French have been complaining about the unfair advantage American companies are getting because of the Inflation Reduction Act. And I noticed today, actually, the, the chief executive of Johnson, Matty, has also come out and said, look, this, this Inflation Reduction Act is unfair. It's unfair. Is it unfair? No. Look, what America is saying is, basically, we are putting aside a huge amount of money and we will create grants and incentivize people who accelerate this industry. Because it, again, it's all about transition energy. It's America really doing it properly and getting on with it. So actually, that's what we've got to do. Don't criticize what they're doing. Do it ourselves and not necessarily copy them exactly, but have a similar system in place where we incentivize for industry to locate in the UK or in Europe, if you're European, but Germany or France or any of those. Um, we've really got to get our heads around this. And it is so vital because we are in Cold War Two. You know, there's no question to that doubt about it. We're in Cold War Two. Ukraine is basically Russia's Vietnam. That's going to probably go on for 20 years. We've got to get our heads around this new um, global situation uh, if we really want to succeed in it. Well, here, here to that. And as I say, it's been proven to be very successful before. And you're done right. We should be doing that again. Um, yeah, and it's all about value-added jobs and productivity is our big issue. Um, and it's these kind of high-quality engineering jobs from strategic investment that's uh, what the country needs. Anyway, that's probably enough of this like intro, intro rant, probably, wasn't it? There uh, we are. Well, there's nothing wrong with the intro rant, Andrew. That's what we're here for. Uh, I do <laughs> tend to do one. Come, you better come down and do some serious stuff. I mean, right. Do I, some figures and stuff. You better. What about British Telecom? That was today. They had some interims, didn't they? Yes, they did. And I didn't. Do you want to them. talk about them? No, you can talk about them because I didn't go. I was looking at RF Group and others. Uh, I'll, tell you what, I'll, I'll tell you what I'm going to do, right? Because actually, if you look at these, some of these FTSE 100 companies now, when they release their numbers, I mean, yeah. the ones that are really complicated, people like BP and Shell, yeah. I mean, they're just yeah. so complicated. I look at them, my eyes glaze over. Same is pretty much true with, with British Telecom, actually. So the best way to tell you what the British Telecom numbers were like, oh, look, the stock is actually down 7.6% as we talk at the m m moment. Uh, so that's clearly not very good. The market didn't like them. Um, having said that, I think the stock probably, it's, if you look at the chart, it's right down on its lows. Um, they, they, they did, uh, they tried to talk it up quite a bit. And you know when a company sort of starts off with these sort of talking up type phrases, you know there's probably something behind them. Um, uh, you know, they said their financial performance is on track. They grew their revenue in the EBITDA. We remain laser focused on modernizing and simplifying BT Group. Um, they did also, though, unfortunately, say that given the current high inflation environment, including significantly increased energy prices, we need to take out additional, we need to take additional action on our costs to make cash flow needed to support our network investments. Uh, so they're increasing their cost savings targets from 2.5 billion to 3 billion. And I think that's probably the market saying, not sure you can do that, guys. That means your revenues are under pressure, so we're marking your stock down. Um, 
So there you go. There's my analysis on BT. I'll let you go on to what you wanted to talk about, Phil. Well, that's very, very succinct. Um, quick, well, we'll quickly just staying on transitional energy because the, the, and then we'll get get on to some of the tech stuff. Is that, uh, and this is something I'd, I'd not come across before. Is this Thomas Lloyd Energy Impact Trust? The ticker is TLEI. Market cap's 144 million. Um, and this is a this is a fund that invests in sustainable energy infrastructure in emerging economies and in Asia. like Vietnam. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> that surprised you that I knew about it. <laughs> there, good, good man. Well, I'd not this I'd not come across this one before. I think we're just making an announcement about an expansion into Vietnam. Um, and they're investing $30 million in uh, solar projects out there. So that was, uh, yeah, that was very interesting to see. I've seen this fund before and it seems to be performing well. The share price is up 21% in 12 months. So there you go. Fresh one to have a look at. Well, I, I, I do look at it because some people who know me well know that I'm a huge fan of Vietnam. It's probably mm-hmm. the biggest or the Vietnam Enterprise Investment Trust uh, is one of the biggest um, holdings in my own pension fund. Um, uh, it's a great. This isn't tech with trans, but you know everybody should own this stock. It's run by Dragon Capital, and actually the the chairman and founder of Dragon Capital is a very good friend of mine, Dominic Scriven. So uh, I have actually been talking to him about this announcement. Funny enough, um, he actually has those slight concerns about solar working well in rapidly urbanising environments. Uh-huh. Um, so um, it's maybe always you know. I don't know. The jury is out on Vietnam and solar panels on houses. Okay, is all I would say. Um, but as you say, the stock's been a good performer. Um, but yeah, Vietnam, great place to do business, um, and a lot of tech moving to Vietnam. Although, well, I'll tell you what. Um, I got in touch with the company this morning. They were back to me within about ten minutes, um, and they said they'd be very happy to have a meeting. So, as an analyst. City analyst, all I could say is well done them for being so damn responsive to uh, you know to people that talk to investors. We do like that. Anyway, there you go. Thomas Lloyd is all on our radars for all sorts of different reasons. There we go. Well, perfectly. Well, moving on swiftly to um, technology. Now, uh, news as always coming out of the states, um, and this is on chipmaker Qualcomm. Uh, Qcom is the ticker. Um, and they're one of the biggest providers of chips into the smartphone industry. And they um, have seen, um, you know, their quarterly revenue is com- come up short of uh, Wall Street expectations. Uh, the shares have fallen. Um, and they said they're projecting lower than expected profits uh, for, the, for the quarter. Um, and this is in relation to smartphone uh, volumes and this comes kind of on the back of kind of weaker forecasts I think from you know Intel and that's chips into PCs AMD is again is, is chips into PCs and servers uh, TI I mean this is this is kind of consumer spend you know an economic spend starting to uh, come off now and impacting uh, the chip makers but certainly the technology funds and I think this is something that you've been uh, certainly alluding to in recent weeks Andrew uh, yeah, and look, it, it has this yeah. knock-on effect, of course, yeah, into right. the motor industry. So Toyota yeah. this week cuts its output targets on, due to chips uh, and says its profits will be down 25%. So you can see how it's sort of, you know, factoring through, shall we say. So, yeah, it is a, it's a big problem. Yeah, absolutely. So we had um, results out 
from RS Group. Now this used to be Electric Components, uh, I think it was RS1, 4.5 billion market cap. Um, they had uh, first half results for the period ending September. And RS, uh, loads of you know, techies among you will know this company very well. Uh, they stock 700,000 industrial and electronic products. My God, sourcing from 2,500 suppliers. There we go. I mean, they're a huge distributor in the electronics industry. Um, and in their first half, they had said that, um, you know, EMA, EMEA, so Europe, Middle East and, um, um, and, and Africa, uh, was the performance was what they described as broadly in line, which means reasonably good. Uh, America's continued to uh, to deliver strong revenue against toughening comparators. Obviously, they had a good, you know, through, through the whole COVID period and the economic recovery then. Uh, but they pointed out that trading in Asia Pacific continues to be affected by slower electronics market, reduced availability of the single computers they they provide, uh, but also the impact of lockdowns in China. Um, that all said, though, their like-for-like -like revenues were up by 16% in the half. And their, you know, the margins were margins were up as well, the operating margins, and they saw some benefit, you know, in sales growth uh, from currency. But um, you know, it's 250 million gains sales and 48 million uh, currency benefit. But kind of more importantly, is like what are they saying about um, the environment, about inflation? And they've said that they've benefited from price inflation. So this is passing on costs. Um, and also they've, they've held their gross margins, uh, which is, I've got to say, that's pretty good, you know, given sort of pricing pressure. So, you know, that's all fairly reasonable. It's going to be all about, you know, what happens now in terms of the, the, the economic environment. And they say that they're still trading in line with consensus. But what's also interesting this morning, and we don't know what's behind this, but they've announced that um, Lindsley Ruth, their CEO, is to take a leave of absence from the business for personal reasons with immediate facts. So it looks like the, uh, I think the FD is uh, stepping up to the, the role there to manage the business. So, so there we go. That's yeah, but I don't, you, I mean, you shouldn't read anything into that. It genuinely was no. for personal reasons. Yeah. So I mean, something has obviously come up. So I did notice that headline. That whoa, whoa, is this something we should be, you know? No, no, um, no it's happened. Oh, of course, it happens in life, doesn't it? it happens yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, what about talking about one? I'm going to throw another one on your plate, and I hope you uh, saw this. Um, but funny enough, I was I was talking to a shareholder of this company yesterday, um, James Cropper, the company that invited us to come and visit, and the day before cancelled it and left us with train tickets up to the wild north of England which we couldn't use. That's right, they did. And we haven't heard back from them since. But we have heard some numbers from them, haven't we? But don't tell me you missed those as well. Oh, sorry, and uh, oh, look, I was going to have got Computer Centre, IQE, Echo Technologies. Andrew, you've got to have some. Oh, come on. <laughs> they weren't, all I will say is they weren't yeah, good, which good. maybe explains why? I don't know. Actually, I disagree with that. I think that Phil Wilde, who was the, the CEO, that was quite a good guy. And one of the problems with, with um, James Cropper is that it's very much a family run business. Um, but yeah, they had a profits warning this week. So the stock has fallen well back. Sorry, I caught you out again. I apologise. I'll, I'll just shut up for and I'll let you run through the numbers you want I'll, to talk to. I'll, I'll catch you out. But but James Cropper is, pay, you know, um, core part of the business is paper manufacture and paper manufacture is energy intensive. 
um, and also water you know a big user of water as well so i wouldn't be having not seen the figures i confess i would suspect that they were impacted particularly by energy costs uh, uh yeah no they were correct right oh there we go so there so partly anyway look I, i'm going to shut up now and uh moving moving on swiftly as we say andrew <laughs> computer computer center which is uh triple c's the the ticker uh, we've, we've covered this on a good number of occasions. Um, they reported their third quarter uh, to the 30th of September. Uh, and we watched this, this one closely, because a bit like RS Components, um, I mean, these guys provide its IT services. So across a whole swathe of corporate public sector organisations um, and IT services, you know, even we use them on a, on a small scale, but Things like cloud services, software support, cyber security, but but you know, spend on IT services is is often a good indicator of of business uh, business health. And they say, you know, they again they had a really good COVID kind of period where companies were spending an awful lot on IT, uh, you know, dealing with all the IT required for like home working, and then we saw business recovery in COVID. So they said after two exceptional years. Computer Center believes that 2022 will be a year of modest adjusted profit before tax growth. Um, and they're expected to achieve that despite what the you know, market describes as headwinds, bad things. Um, and that's the, the, you know, the unwinding of the COVID-19 sort of uh, benefits that they saw you know, driving the, this investment in IT, um, the benefiting from currency a, a bit. Uh, and benefit from acquisitions. Um, so you know, they've also said that uh, the supply chain challenges mean that inventories remain much higher than last year. Um, and they've explained all that in the past. Um, uh, we expect supply constraints, which is something we're watching closely, and the inventory levels to unwind as the year progresses, but will not be substantially resolved until well into next year. Um, and just in terms of outlook, uh, they have said but um, it's good and interesting. This is where you know, company they're investing, all right? So they're putting capital, spending capital themselves, and they're investing heavily in particularly their IT roadmap and cyber security. These investments, as increase, will continue to hold back short-term profitability. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> so there we So let's see. I don't know if you've got the share price on screen for Computer Center. I can do very quickly if you just keep rabbiting on a little second. Let me just quickly no, check no, it out there. I was going to say this is this will be one to keep an eye on for when the economy starts to turn. Because as I say, I think it's had a pretty good, you know, had a good run, had a good, you know, kind of COVID period. But now the economy softening um, is, uh, you know. Yeah, um, you're you're right. I mean, the current the current price for it is eighteen pounds twenty six, and it peaked in the COVID sort of thing at, at thirty pounds. So it has come a long way off. But I mean, you know, yeah. if you go back just ten years, it was only at five pounds. So it's still been actually pretty yeah. good. Yeah. Um, we can't complain, so we say like that. Um, yeah. And so that's a, that's definitely not a high quality business at the very high quality business at the end of the day, and it's a timing. Uh, that one's going to be a timing issue in terms of terms of looking at it. Um, in terms of other kind of tech, um, Echo PLC, I think it was ECK, 
uh, that's spelled E-C-K-O-H, Echo PLC. They're the trading update for six months, uh, the 30th of September. Um, and these guys, look, you know you're on, uh, I don't know, you're on e-commerce, you're on the web, you're ordering stuff, you get the, you're interfacing with your bank, you get the old chat box, and you think, bloody hell, I want to speak to someone. Their software sits behind the folks that are chat, are talking to you. So it's all about um, customer engagement, what they call customer engagement um, software and solutions. So they're helping the folks that are in the call centers. That's where their software, what their software does. Um, and that's all sorts of things that, that's helping with the with the payment systems, with taking orders. So dealing with all those sorts of problems and helping to automate it. Um, they had a, they said uh, the group performed strongly in the first half of the year in line with the board's expectations. Well, I always get, you know, what are the board's expectations? Don't know. But anyway, they said that their revenue has grown by 33% to 19.6 million. So that is uh, pretty cool. That's pretty good. Um, no, it's fine. I, I mean, I do, funny, I do know that one because it's in my mother's um, AMIHT portfolio that I mm -hmm. run for her. Okay. They've got a very fancy logo. I don't ever seen it. It's, it's uh, incredibly fancy. And it's a funny name, isn't it? Anyway. <laughs> Keep going, keep going. Next one. <laughs> okay. So they make, yep. So their operating profits are up by 50% on 33% of sales. So that's a good thing. They've got nice, nice leverage in there. Um, good traction in the US market as well, with sales up strongly there and that 44% of revenue. So they'll probably benefit a bit from um a bit from currency there. And they have said just looking at supporting expectations, future growth, underpins, increasing levels. Okay, so that's all looks quite good. Uh, despite ongoing macroeconomic uncertainty, everyone is seeing, board expect revenue and profit for FY23 to be significantly higher than FY22. And it's trading in line with market expectations. Very well done to Echo Technologies. That's good for Echo. Um, another one I spotted this morning was uh, IQE. That's a compound semiconductor company. They yeah, you've talked about that a few times. Well, you know what? It's easy for me to spell. Um, but they, they they've announced that um, they have uh, won a uh, multi-year agreement with a company called Advanced Wireless Semiconductor Company. So IQE's um, silicon you know, wafers, compound semiconductor wafers, are used to make chips that are used in wireless applications. They can handle quite high power in wireless applications. Um, so yeah, they've signed a multi-year agreement supply wafers to advance wireless semiconductor company. Um, and they have said they've been working with them for over 20 years, my word. So it's a three-year supply agreement, um, and it's for wireless products that will include 4G, 5G, mobile handsets, and Wi-Fi products. So there we go. For IQE. Right, we're going to run out of time in a minute, Phil. Right, well, that's fine, because I have run out of companies to talk about, Andrew, sadly. Well, I've got one more, actually, that we do sometimes talk about, because it is a technology platform, and it's, it's Aquis, Aquis PLC, which owns the Aquis trading platform and the Aquis Exchange. Just wanted to mention they had a Capital Markets Day yesterday talking about where Aquis is going and everything it's doing from a technological point of view, mainly uh, on their trading platform, which, I mean, it got me completely confused with dark pools and auction pools and you <laughs> name it. Bloody hell, I had written no idea just how complicated this whole market was. Although what was slightly strange was it was a, an Aquis presentation. All the team at Aquis were there were presenting, did really good presentations. And then they had a funny little bloke at the end called me, no, not called me, called Andrew Monk, but it was me, doing a little bit about how we do uh, Aquis 
IPOs, dual listings, you name it, because it's, they find they're quite interesting the way we have, you know, really cottoned on to the fact that Aquis is an inevitable competitive exchange to the LSE. But um, I, I just mentioned that it was actually really good. The stock's come back a hell of a long way. In my view, it looks really cheap for a, a technology growth stock exchange. Uh, and also, of course, it's a great little intro into the fact that VSA is holding the Aquis Showcase Day on November the 29th. Uh, we've got about 20 Aquis companies that most people don't know an awful lot about, which is why they're interesting. If you don't, if if knowledge on a company isn't widely available, always a good time to look at it because when everybody knows about a company, it's fully priced. So there's probably a lot of non-fully priced companies at our Aquis Showcase Day, and we are holding the uh, Britain's Got Aquis competition with Andy Bruff, Rich Ricky, uh, Judith McKenzie and Jim Armitage as the, the judging on the judging panel, but uh, also all of the, the people in the audience will be able to vote as well. Uh, if you want to know more about it, just have a look at VSA. It should be plastered, but it's going to be a really good event. Um, and on that note, that was a little bit of a push for one of our events. Um, uh, I hope everybody enjoyed it. I hope it wasn't too much of a rant. I hope you got some knowledge. If you disagree with anything, as usual, do tell us. And um, we'll try and find something even more interesting for you next. Well, not necessarily more interesting, but we'll be back next week. <laughs> we certainly will, Andrew, and I look forward to that.